Hey everyone, this is Caleb here from In the Mood for Real History. Now before you get started with this episode, if you haven't heard, I want to tell you about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast, so let me explain it to you. First off, being on a teacher's salary, I love that it is free. There's also creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. So make sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, all you cool cats and commies, this is In The Mood. Levitating perspectives each episode at the time. All right, all right, all right. So we have survived the Thanksgiving holidays. More so Black Friday, you know. (laughs) The Thanksgiving holidays. It's like, you know, I wanted to write an article and just call it, you know, Take Your Socialist to Thanksgiving. Because it was just like, it was so interesting. You, you got to miss out on it. You, you missed out on all the fun. But it was an experience, to say the least. I was really expecting everybody to be wearing black because Trump has lost the election. Conceded. And he has not conceded yet. He, I refuse to concede. But I, I think it's because they still think that he is, you know, still has a chance to win this thing. I truly think, like, deep in their hearts, they, they really believe that he has a chance to win this for some reason. But it just... All uh, hope is gone. It is gone. It is good. So, anyway. Um, anything new for you before we get going? Uh, cash and checks, slinging dicks, all the above. I mean, you know. Big dick swinging. <laughs> <laughs> you went there already. All it's right. It's just flopping in the air. <laughs> Except it's getting a little chilly outside. Yeah, you know? It has a little shrinkage, get a little chilly. Anyway, um, those... Never mind. Anyway, go ahead. So what we're pretty much on topic of today is called the 1619 Project. So (gasps) for what you people who do not understand is we're going to give you our version of what it actually is. Yeah, we're just going to debate. We're going to discuss it. We're going to debate a few things. And we're just going to take a kind of a deep dive into it and see not only what is it, is it you know, as people say, is it refrain, uh, revising history or is it just actually just realizing the truth and discussing the truth of history? And then we're going to discuss why is it so hated? Why are so many people so against it and so angered and triggered by it? So to start it off, what what exactly, how did this story come about? Okay, so it all started with it's a project by Nicole Hannah Jones who works for the New York Times. She's a contributor for the New York oh, Times. Oh, then people as soon as you said that, oh, she's a liberal, <sighs> she's gonna yeah, you know what I mean? Okay. It's- well, you know, tough shit. So, um, you know, she created this had this idea because it was the four hundredth anniversary. Last year, twenty nineteen was the four hundredth anniversary of the first slaves coming to the colonies. So the first slaves being brought to what became the American colonies. And so 400 years later, she said, you know, it's time to stop hiding from the truth and the sins of our nation's founding, and it's time to confront the truth. This original sin of slavery, she said, but, you know, so many people hardly ever even know what 1619 is, and in a bigger sense, they don't understand, we don't really learn about truly what slavery was, because everybody just views it as this old-timey thing from way back in the day that isn't relevant today, but it this makes the argument that it really is. So, you know, she's trying to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and, you know, the contributions of African Americans at the very center of our national narrative. 
which is, you know, crazy concept, but trying to make the fact that slavery was essentially pretty much what our nation was built on. So it's, it's some fascinating history. And I think it's, I think it's really interesting. And, you know, it challenges that argument that, you know, we've always learned when did our nation, when was our nation founded? You know, the Declaration of Independence, you know, 1776. Yeah, exactly. Right? You know, the Founding Fathers. But this is making the argument that, you know, our nation's history started in 1619 when the first slaves were brought here because what people built this country, literally. It was the slaves who built this country. They literally built the White House as well. So she's making this the argument that those contributions of slaves who were brought here against their will should be you acknowledged. Know, yeah, acknowledged. And it should be written in. And that's not changing our history. It's just acknowledging other pieces of history that have not ever been shared. So I think it's pretty interesting. It's like, yeah, they just tuck it, stuff it under the rug or something. Yeah, it's and and when you do that, when you as you say stuff it under the rug, or if you just whitewash history, no pun intended, then that completely just wipes out so many people's perspectives and so many experiences, and just says, "I don't give a shit about that perspective." Because you know why we don't do this on the show? We don't. No, we and that's why we piss so many people off because we actually share true history. Share we talk talk about things that are real, you know. And it should make you uncomfortable because that means you're learning something. Maybe it's challenging your beliefs. We're levitating your perspectives. You As know? well. I know. So I think it's really interesting. But you mentioned something earlier to me that I didn't even hear about until just now about some interview that President Obama did. It was on The Breakfast Club, and it had it was uh, Charlemagne the God, and it had uh, DJ Envy and the girl. I can't remember her name off my hand. But um, he... They were interviewing Obama, and they were asking him, "What exactly were they? Were like what? What do? You, what did you get out of that interview?" In that interview, I was talking. What really struck out to me is so many people see, and as Obama placed it, or discussed it, you know, and it ties in perfectly with the sixteen nineteen project, talking about how the Republican Party and many belief systems say that you know the white man is the victim today. You know, like, we're the victim but, of everything. So and, let me, let me, but so yeah. before you go into this, let me counteract you and say, you know, as a white man, you are pretty much targeted for the things that, like, as an example, you're you're privileged, you're this and this, just because you have the color of your skin. We are. Um, no, I'm saying, like, you know, you've been given everything in life, and ever, sometimes that just isn't true, you know. And... Saying that you're privileged is not saying that you haven't struggled. It's just saying that you didn't have obstacles placed in your way from day one that other people have. So you've had less obstacles to overcome. That's all that people with white privilege, being pro-black is not being anti-white. It's just meaning you're actually being pro-hearing other people's experiences and acknowledging them and not just seeing things from one perspective. So I guess that's what I really liked about what President Obama mentioned when it says that, you know, he was asking, you know, what are white men victims? Are they really victims, though? Because, I mean, who starts wars? 
all the major wars in American and world history. White men. Are white men really the victims? Not really. It's just a way that... Because if you want to get technical, like Columbus came from... Whenever he was trying to find the new world, he, what color was his skin? He was white. <laughs> so who started slavery? Europeans. Who started, uh, you know, both world wars? White men. You know, I could keep going on ah, and if on, you and went, on But not didn't you also say Japan invaded China during the Second World War, right? So that, that's another a reason on how it, that was another example of how another person of orig, origin started yeah. that started but a war. But what is acknowledged that? Yeah, the white man World dropped War. the dropped yeah. the bomb on Hiroshima yeah. and Nagasaki. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I see what you're saying, but yeah, like World War II started with you know Germany invaded Poland. Yeah. That's what everybody acknowledges. World War One starts with you know assassination of that dude. <laughs> that dude. That dude. <laughs> I love your history, uh, Archduke Ferdinand. But yeah, it's just saying you know white men are not the victims, but the attacker, the aggressor throughout history. I mean, think about it. Colonialism. You may not. Th- imperialism. I agree with that for sure. But you can't necessarily paint everybody out to be that when they're not. You know? I'm not. I'm just saying that we have. No, no. I'm not saying you are. But as an example, do you think Obama should not paint a big a, a picture as everybody, every white man is, 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 the, is the, the perpetrator, the enemy? Nobody you know? is saying. He's not saying that. He's not saying that white men are the enemy. He's saying in le- if you, you are the enemy, if you're silent, you and I have were born into and have benefited from different institutions that our ancestors built to put us ahead. And if we are silence equals complicity, if we don't acknowledge that and work to dismantle that system, then we are complicit, which means we are guilty. You know, racism was built as a function to hold certain people down and boost up the white race. And that's not blaming you. That's not blaming me. I don't feel guilt over that, but I feel a responsibility to work towards dismantling that. And if we don't, then we are complicit, which means we are guilty. And so that's what they're trying to say. So how this all ties into the story, I think you need to let the viewers know like the whole origins, like the background and everything. Yeah. So you know, the, the 1619 Project. I'm glad you mentioned that, though, with uh, the tie-in with Charlemagne the God and President Obama, because I didn't even notice. I didn't even know about that. So I'm glad you mentioned that. That was really cool. A good contemporary view right there. His little contribution is so cute. But anyway, um, so yeah, the background story. The 1619 Project. These first slaves were brought to what became the American colonies in 1619, on a slave ship, a Portuguese slave ship called the White Lion. And it was about 20 to 30 slaves. They were bar- uh, brought to this harbor near South Carolina called Point Comfort, which is very ironic, I think. It's called Point Comfort, and that's where, you know, the American slave trade started. But, you know, those Portuguese, it was like a pirate ship almost. They needed to trade something of value to be able to continue on their voyage. And that thing of value was slaves labor yeah labor the labor that slaves would bring so you know this is what began the atlantic slave trade and you know it it prospered in the american colonies because they the colonists the europeans needed labor and so you know the native americans 
they weren't going to do it because the Europeans were too busy wiping them out. And so, you know, the Africans, they were kind of at a disadvantage because they had been ripped away from their land, their culture, and they were being forced into this foreign situation that gave them no other choice except to be slaves in many cases. So, you know, and it's not because they were, they weren't captured due to their inferiority or, you know, because they were biologically inferior to the white race, but they were just outgunned by the Europeans. And that's what it came down to. So this ability to prosper and make money, these slaves started being the cultivators, the planters of what became the major crops in North America, like the cotton, the rice. Cash crops. Yeah, yeah. the cash crops, the indigo, the tobacco, the weed. <laughs> Fun fact, the weed started, you know, the hemp. cannabis. Hemp. The hemp and the cannabis that started to be grown in the southern United States or southern colonies. There the you go. So, fun fact. So, you know, and this isn't just some bullshit. This is like actual recorded history. This is before the Mayflower even came here. You know, the Pilgrims started coming here in 1620. I always picture, uh, who is it? Uh, Peter Griffin, where he tries to act like John Wayne. Pilgrim. But, yeah, this was a year before the uh, Pilgrims even came here in 1620. And so, like you said, whenever they came over, what what happened up? What ended up happening next after they ended up getting involved with the whole slave trade, and then so on and so forth? Yeah, and it started to become a very lucrative career and money making scheme for the colonists because they're sitting here going, "Wow, we have these other people that are our free labor, and they're making money for us, and we're not having to work as hard." You know, we're just being able to make money off of them and we're not having to pay them now. And they viewed them as being inferior property. Yeah, they saw them as being property. And so, you know, that's where the whole argument of, you know, well, A, this is where the Atlantic slave trade started was through this and partially Columbus. But. You know, what's the argument that we always hear about people that try to, you know, take away the blame from white people starting the slave trade and slavery in America? What do they try to blame? What do they say? They sold their own people. Yeah. You know, well, well, you know, slaves, they, they, they were sold out by their own people, which, yes, you are correct that certain um, empires in Africa did sell people to Europeans, but what they fail to what they fail to also include is, you know, these African empires, they start this whole slave trade was started. They had slavery because they were like prisoners of war, essentially. And their version of slavery was not like our version of slavery that we know of in the US. Because African slaves had rights. They could marry. They could eventually they could own their own property. And they could eventually buy their own freedom. Whereas in America, it's known as chattel slavery, where once you are enslaved, you are enslaved for life. Your kids will be slaves. Their kids will be slaves. There's no way of escaping it. And when the Europeans first started to come to Africa in the 1450s, 1452 to be exact, with the Portuguese, they started to 
do what most Europeans did, even to the Native Americans, called divide and conquer. So they started selling weapons to certain African tribes. That would pledge their loyalty to them, right? Right. And so they would sell weapons to, like, let's say, Tribe A. And so Tribe B, they're going, oh, shit, we're then about to get attacked. Because, you know, there were rivalries among tribes, and, you know, they had wars. And so now Tribe A had an advantage. They have fire, like they have legit weapon, like mm-hmm. weapons and, and ammunition. Right. And so tribe Not sticks B, and stones, yeah. Right. And so Tribe B is going, okay, we've got to get weapons. And so what would the Europeans want in return for those weapons? Slaves. Labor. Yeah, labor, slaves. So the Europeans are getting slaves while the Africans are fighting themselves. And both tribes are having to trade more slaves to continue to get more weapons because weapons run out of bullets, right? Right. So you're going to continue to need more weapons. And supplies, yeah. Yeah, supplies and weapons. So hence you get the Africans dependent on the Europeans for weapons. And so the Europeans are getting to sit back and let them destroy themselves while they just sit back and eventually they come in and take over. And they don't have to lose men. They don't have to lose... And they take over the tribes that they sold the sh- sold their shit to. Exactly. So these were the most wealthy empires in history. In history. Resources-wise, yes. Yes. uh, Resources and wealth. Mansa Musa was the richest human being in in world history. He was richer than any other person. And yet, they were, ended up becoming, you know, conquered through divide and conquer theory, just like the Native Americans were in U.S. history by the Europeans. And so, you know, we mentioned how there was the difference between African slavery and American slavery because the African slaves, they had a chance to get freedom. But, you know, no, what nobody talks about is the effects of the European slavery or Europeans, uh, European, or how do I say it? European slave trade on Africa. 50 million Africans were either killed or enslaved during the 400 years of slavery from roughly 1400 to roughly, you know, 1860, let's say. So in that roughly 400 and some odd years, 50 million people died or were enslaved, most of them males. So A, that not only depletes your your population, but who's going, are you able to build infrastructure? Are you able to build roads? Are you able to build? You can't carry on the family name. Exactly. You can't carry on the family name. You can't build, you know, infrastructure, cities, aqueducts, uh, transportation, any of that. Water supply, running water, all that. Running water. And so now you see the effects of it today in Africa. There's a lot of countries that are so far behind because they had no foundation. And that's an effect like, of Like slavery. the countries that people most likely think of are like the Congo, the war-torn places like that, right? right? They didn't have any structure. They didn't have any foundation because they were, you know, had no people to build it up. And then that's a whole other joint for another day because we could go into, uh, you know, the effects of colonialism and all that kind of stuff, which are tied into slavery. But do you see where I'm going with this? So, you know, they destroyed the resources and the infrastructure of Africa. And that's, you know, just another effect of slavery. But then, you know, this... This idea of racism, it it's not something that just popped up, you know? 
it's something that's been here and it's not something that's been here since you know the beginning of time it has been even in uh, if you want to get in the biblical days even you know as an example whenever uh Moses was in Egypt. They were enslaved. His people were enslaved, right. right? They were enslaved, but it wasn't on account of their race. It was on account of, you know, they were a tribe that had been conquered, but it wasn't because they were a certain race. Slavery started as a, a tool in the 1400s, right when the first Europeans came to Africa. His name was Hector Zarara, actually. It was in 1450. And the Portuguese, or 1452, excuse me, uh, the Europeans had first come to Africa to trade slaves. And the Portuguese king hired Zarara to write this book to defend and justify enslaving the African people. And he came up and said, you know what? I'm going to categorize all African people as savages and... Um, Savages and just, you know, uncivilized unci people. Yeah, uncivilized savages and beasts, beastly. That's what I was trying to think of, beastly. And that's how they justified enslaving and exploiting these people for profit because they said, well, you know what? They're living in huts. They're living in squander. They're not civilized. So it's okay for us to enslave them because we're, quote, quote, civilizing them. And we see this lie of racism that was built off of, the, or, you know, the whole idea of slavery and racism was built off of this lie. When, just like I mentioned, the African tribes, they were, you know, they were so advanced for their time. It's not like they were just a bunch of people living in huts in the middle of the woods, you know? So, you know, it was all built off of a lie. And it was all about justifying this racism to make money pocketbooks and power the way that so fast forward to all the way through this to 1776 so yeah as an example how does that tie into that to the founding of america in a sense like in say 1776 thomas jefferson writes the declaration of independence mm -hmm. so but so, yeah. what but what's the one part that he's excluding though well yeah uh you know we all learn it growing up 17, 1776, we see Thomas Jefferson writes the Declaration of Independence, the first lines. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. So, you know, we're told, I just memorized that too, by the way. But, um, you know, he wrote this saying that all men are created equal. And when he's saying that, he doesn't even, this is at the same time that his brother, his brother-in-law, is a slave. So it's so hypocritical because he's writing all of this and saying all men are created equal, this foundational document for why we should break away from England. But yet his brother-in-law is a slave for his own comfort to, to benefit Thomas Jefferson. And so he knew that when writing this, it would not even protect his own family. But yet this is when our nation's history started. And this is what should be celebrated. All men are created equal, even though not all men were created equal. At this time, Native Americans were being wiped out. They weren't considered men. Slaves were slaves. Women were considered property of their husbands. 
And if you didn't own property as a white man, you didn't have the right to vote. So were all men really created equal or were all rich elites created equal? That's the real question. And so, you know, at this time, slaves accounted for a fifth of the U.S. population. So over 500,000 slaves were in the United States in less than 150 years after the first slaves were brought to the what became the United States. You had 500,000 slaves making up a fifth of the population, but yet they weren't considered citizens. They weren't considered men. Property. Yeah, they were considered property. So it's just, that's what the 1619 Project is making the argument, is that, you know, we, we learn about our nation's history and celebrate 1776 as our founding, but yet how can you celebrate that as the founding of all Americans when the majority of those who would be considered Americans at this founding weren't even considered men, weren't even considered citizens, full humans? And so, you know, these founding fathers, they said they called themselves slaves to the king of England and argue why they needed freedom from England, yet they still own slaves. So it's like they couldn't even understand their own hypocrisy. So they're sitting there and not even, they're arguing why they should be free from England because England is this huge, they feel like slaves to England because, you know, no taxation without representation but yet they still want to keep this certain group of people slaves. And it's like, we don't, do you learn about that? Did you learn about that in your history classes? I just, I got your just whitewashed version of it. <laughs> when you're awake. Yeah, <laughs> but, when I was awake. But, you know, that's all we ever learn about is, you know, Thomas Jefferson, the founding fathers, and they signed this Declaration of Independence and we broke away from England with the Revolutionary War and everything was great, right? But... We don't talk about the fact that we're all men actually considered to be equal. And so Thomas Jefferson actually had to take out the section discussing slavery uh, from the Declaration of Independence to get all 13 colonies to sign it. And said, if slavery was mentioned at all, these southern colonies like Georgia and South Carolina weren't going to sign it. So he had to take out certain instances because that would have paved the way towards ending slavery. And so these, wow, does that mean cherry picking shit like in the Bible? No, oh, like, well, you know, wait, you mean that we actually cherry pick shit in the Bible? Man, that's why well, we're getting there. Aren't we? What? What? You mean the whole part of, you know, women be wives, be subservient to your husbands and slaves be subservient to your masters. Is that just cherry picking? What? Crazy. I don't know. But yeah, couldn't even get all 13 colonies to even sign on unless they agreed to protect slavery in this upcoming new country. So concerning a conservative person, not me, but an opinion from a conservative person, and uh-huh. when they say you know, slavery ended, why take it, Why still take this out on me whenever I have nothing to do with it? What's your response to that? Um, you're right. Slavery did end in 1865, set, technically. But you got to think about the long-term effects of slavery. Did slavery really end in 1865? 
and those effects of it. You got to think there's two big things that the uh, 1619 project really goes into detail about, and that's the wealth gap and mass incarceration. So the wealth gap meaning that the average family of four, white family of four in the United States is worth $181,000 in wealth, whereas the average family of four that are black are worth $18,000. That's nearly a hundred, you know, that's, that's a 10% difference right there. That is drastically less. And where does that come from? That gap, that wealth gap? Is it just because black people are lazy and all that? No. Let's think about it. When slavery ended in 1865, you had these slaves that were just kicked off the plantation and said, well, good luck. But do they have any foundation whatsoever? Do they have any, they don't even have identification. They have no wealth. They have no resources. They have no property. They have nothing. So what do you expect? They're starting from zero. So each time that the African-American community has started to make gains, there has been what's known as white backlash. So think about it. Have you heard of the Tulsa race riot of 1921? I don't think most people have. Okay, Black Wall Street, Greenwood, Oklahoma, right outside of Tulsa. That was the most thriving African-American community in the nation at that point. There were thousands and thousands of black business owners, residents that were building wealth in that community. And the white citizens of Tulsa destroyed it and murdered hundreds of African-Americans and that city doesn't even exist today, all because of jealousy over black wealth being gained. So if you start to make wealth, you start to gather these resources, and then you have them destroyed, you're having to start back from square one. The same thing happened in Forsyth County, Georgia in 1912. Every single black resident was chased out of town and forced to leave Forsyth County by the white residents. The Wilmington riot. I've covered all these on my In the Mood, the This Day in History. But oh, by the way, uh, new new uh, emblem or what? Yeah, new logo, new logo, new logo. What's this? But yeah, um, so make sure to check it out. But you see, every time that there have been significant gains by the African American community, there's been white backlash to it. So it's impossible for them to build this wealth if they are always having things destroyed and taken away. That's one significant effect of uh, slavery that all started back at the nation's founding. The other one is this mass incarceration, which I know you have, we talked a lot about. Yeah. Mass incarceration. So, you know, slavery ended in 1865. But it just, did it end or did it just take another form? So then sharecropping started. Which is? So... When there was the plantation owners in the South, right? Slaves were just kicked off the plantation and they couldn't... Yeah, told to make a, go, find, go find a new life. Yeah, go find a new life. Well, a lot of them ended up having to come back to their master, what former masters. And for and work, rent, yeah. Yeah, rent land from them and to make money because they had no other means of making money. Because if you were arrested and didn't have a job or ID in the South, you would be sent to prison for being a vagrant, so essentially homeless. So 
the sharecropping. Then there was the convict leasing, which was, you know, if you were arrested and sent to prison, then you could be leased out to these big businesses. Like in Birmingham, there was uh, McQuain, Iron Ore, all the different iron uh, and the Magic City. Yeah, the mining companies and all that. You would be leased out to these companies and would have to work for them for nothing. And if you died, you just had more people coming. And so then it goes to Jim Crow, then it goes to segregation. So each instance, this control over a race of people have has just evolved into a different form in each time. And the last one being mass incarceration. So, All over petty crimes there. Yeah. These huge jaywalking. Yeah. These huge crimes or these huge sentences were given out for these petty crimes like the three strikes law. The, uh, you know, the difference between the sentencing time that you get for coke versus the war on drugs. Yeah, the war on drugs, essentially. And that's we saw the prisons. Overpopulated are now overpopulated. They went from being less than a million prisoners in 1970 to having over three million prisoners today with a new prison in Alabama being built now. Yeah, literally these prisons are being built everywhere because it's become a business and there's a direct correlation between that and the fact that african americans disproportionately make up the prison population 42 percent of prisoners are african-american yet african-americans only make up 42 or uh 13 percent of the u.s population that's a huge disproportionate number i'm not trying to fact check you but do you know like the population percentages like race-wise Offhand, yeah. like yeah. what? What? Thirteen percent of the U.S. population, yeah, roughly thirty-three million uh, Americans are black or African American. Okay. Now, what about when you go to like, um, what's then you have Hispanic and what would be your okay. white? But so you know, I'm just saying, like the breaking. white population roughly makes up sixty percent. Yeah. Of the three hundred thirty-two million million yeah. U.S. Americans as of the last census. Uh uh-huh. So, thirteen percent makes up uh, African American. And then roughly 20% is uh, Latinx Hispanic. Really? Yeah. So there's more Hispanic than there are African Americans? Mm-hmm. Really? I didn't know that. So fun fact. So, um, and that's according to the U.S. Census Bureau for anybody that's listening that wants to call me on that. Go check. Have fun. Um, so we see that it has just been this mass incarceration is just the latest form of slavery in another name. Because... People are being held against their will, being forced. Their labor is making the entity uh, money, wealth. Are they making anything? 60 cents a day. Yeah, okay. So nothing. So it's just all taken a different form. And so the 1619 Project is saying you have to see the connections. They all are connected as a way to maintain this sense of white supremacy over so as an example population. so as an example let's say things completely turned around and like let like say black wealth grew and do you think you know how like some you know like some people would say that they that if they did accomplish that and gained all that power do you think they would try and over, like break the status quo or overthrow people as an example like, do, you, do you think, do you pick, would you picture that happening? No, because if they wanted to, they would have done that after the slave, after slavery ended. 
would that not have been the perfect time? The South was destroyed, decimated, and you had close to two or three million slaves that were becoming free all of a sudden, like that. Wouldn't that be the perfect time to take over? No. Unlike the white race, African Americans genuinely have just wanted to be heard. They just want to be considered equal, which is what they're technically supposed to be considered under the law right now. That's all that you hear. So it's just, that's a way, that's fear-mongering tactics like we see all throughout politics in this last election and today. But, you know, that's what people need to see is there are these long-term effects that are because of this original sin. And yeah, you can't blame people that are alive today, but people like you and me, we are benefiting from it in one way or another off of this original creation of race and slavery because of all these different things that we mentioned. So, and it's not saying for us to feel guilty. It's just saying we have a responsibility to fix these wrongs because it's simply the right thing to do. You know, but let's say you fixed it, and how do you, how do you know just things just wouldn't just be? How do you, how do you know it just wouldn't just stay the same if you if you tried to fix it, or you know, because like, or or you know, but things like, are not going to like change. things never change. You know, things won't change unless bold progressive movements are made and policies are passed. Look at uh, in the Great Depression, our country was going to devolve into anarchy and revolution. The working class was ready to revolt in the country until FDR gave in and passed a lot of the New Deal policies. And those are bold progressive movements that guaranteed workers' rights, guaranteed wages, and saw that we needed to spend in order to grow. Each time we see LBJ in the 60s with the Civil Rights Act, the Medicare, Medicaid, uh, Voting Rights Act, all of those bold progressive state stands that it need to happen. Today's version would be the Green New Deal, Medicare for All, a job guarantee, federal job guarantee, all of these things. So, And then the uh, income for all. Yeah, which the federal job guarantee would be a better overall coverage then, than just universal basic really? income. Oh, yeah. The federal job guarantee means like you you can have that right to a, a living wage, whereas you know the universal basic income that just says, all right, well we'll pay you a thousand bucks a month guaranteed, but that just means that businesses can cut wages because they're saying we've already got a thousand dollars. Why should I still pay you what I was paying you? You know, whereas the federal job guarantee is a guaranteed job and income level. So it's more protections. Okay. But anyway, and so the last one we want to talk about, our last section, what were you going to lead us into it? It's like the wealth gap, per se, mm -hmm. and how it's lasted through generations. Yeah, this wealth gap, like we talked about, you know, this the fact that the average white family of four is worth $180,000 but yet the average black family is only worth $18,000. And also to tail in on that, the whole why, why this is so much despair and hatred towards this idea. Mm -hmm. So the 1619 project, why is it so, why are people so against it? Why are people, why do people hate it so much? 
You know, you see Donald Trump get on his Twitter finger toilet tantrums at 3 a.m. talking about how we will never have this, this socialism in America. It's propaganda. You know, we're going to have a patriotic education, which if that doesn't scream uh, Chairman Mao communism, uh, communist China re- re-education program. But anyway, um, my answer to that is imagine the U.S. our U.S. history is like a timeline, right? Right. That's a certain story, a certain narrative, right? And so if we talk about slavery, if we talk about the fact that our country was founded on a lie or on a hypocrisy of Jefferson claiming all men are created equal, but yet they still protected slavery. If we talk about that, doesn't that provide like a quote, quote, chink in the armor? Or, you know, it kind of contradicts that narrative of, America is perfect. We are the... Make no mistakes. Yeah. Make no mistakes. Exceptionalism. The beacon of democracy and freedom. But we were founded on slavery. And even... And for people that said, well, why is it always got to be race? Okay. Our country was founded on the fact that women were considered property. Native Americans were being wiped out. And if you didn't own property and you were still a white man, you still did not have the right to vote. So all of those were what our country was founded on. So it's it, this challenge to the status quo, i.e. the 1619 Project, that challenges that status quo, that narrative of perfectionism. And so it's automatically got to be considered bad. So how do you feel about people that, was, that will completely want to as an example, the uh, the governor of Mississippi? Tate Reeves. Well, you know, I haven't had a good fuck you tonight. So, Tate Reeves, you get my pers- first off fuck you of the night. So, Tate Reeves, he is wanting to give raises to teachers who pledge to not teach about the 1619 Project. So, once again, fuck you, Tate Reeves. You're literally saying, well, teachers overall don't deserve more pay, but if you teach this narrow-minded view of history, then I'll give you a little extra sum-sum. Like, the privilege and just the arrogance of that. Teachers are, like, you know, essential workers, all the other essential workers, are the ones on the front lines, especially right now during COVID, but yet you say, oh, I'll give a... raises to a certain few if you pledge to not teach this. But I won't give you raises in general. Right. He's literally epitomizing and just describing this hypocrisy that the 1619 Project points out. Benefits for the few if you pledge to go along with the status quo. Is that not what the 1619 Project argues right there? Yeah, and as an example, like you could relate it to nowadays, like the quote unquote trickle down economics, you know, it's supposed to, you know, right. Trickle down economics. Oh, well the rich are going to make a shit ton. And we're whatever falls through the cracks, man. Yeah. Whatever falls through the cracks will trickle down to us. Hopefully. Like, how does that even sound good? Like literally, how do people get behind that? How do, how do people like, why are they happy with a lot with only a few people making 90 percent of the wealth right and who why is it okay why is it wrong to expect those who make more to pay more in taxes why is it wrong to expect that 
how was but like you say, people everyday workers get taxed more than they do. Y'all are getting shit on and then bent over and fucked, but yet you still are protecting those who make all of their wealth off of you. And off don't of- and don't pay nothing. Yeah, they pay nothing. And so it's it all ties into what we're talking about. All of these things that we're talking about challenges the status quo. So it's automatically got to be considered bad. And in your opinion, why is it necessarily bad if it challenges the status quo? It's considered bad. Yeah, why is it considered? Because that challenges their belief. That challenges their supremacy. That challenges, makes them question or, under, or you know, ooh, maybe I'm at fault. Ooh, we can't talk about that. Oh, well, we shouldn't pay people for our mistakes that we made ourselves, you know. Right. Ooh, well, you know, my ancestors are white, and I can't think about me being benefiting off of that so you know oh no that's wrong like no it's not saying to be ashamed of being white it's saying acknowledge the fact that because of your whiteness you have had extra benefits because of simply the color of your skin that's all it's saying and it's just mind-numbingly asinine that people can't see that and so you know and then even trump has gone on to say, you know, well, it delegitimizes our history. And even Trump goes in to say, well, 1492, Columbus discovered America. That's what we all grew up learning. And now they're trying to tell us something different. Well, first off, you're a fucking idiot right there. Columbus never set foot in North America. We have an episode on that. Yes, Columbus did not discover America. Columbus landed in the Caribbean. Didn't even, he thought he was in India. He never discovered America, never set foot in America, what became the United States. But, oh, these people, that's first off your first thing right there. And it's not changing history. It's not, but what you notice is that these people don't dispute the fact that what they're saying is fact, that what the people in the 1619 article project is arguing, they're not disputing that it's a fact. But what they're doing, they only want to acknowledge the good facts not the bad facts so they only want to acknowledge the good history the happy history not the fucked up things we've done in our history it's like that with like even even on the news stations to be honest yeah nobody wants to acknowledge the you know fox isn't the first person to point out all what donald trump's done or cnn cnn isn't the first person to company to like point out what biden's done wrong or what he does wrong either you know yeah. So it kind of correlates to that. Oh, yeah, completely. Everything today, like, you know, when it came to looking at candidates of who to support, don't just look at the good. You got to look at anything they've done that's wrong. You and yeah. I have gone extensively into the good and the bad about Joe Biden. Why so many people don't like him? They consider him just more of the status quo. And that's how we got to do with our history. We have to look at the good and the bad, just like Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson, yes, he wrote the Declaration of Independence. Yes, he was like the third president. Yes, he did these great things. He was a founding father, but also... He had a little something behind the curtain. Exactly. He owned 155 slaves. B, he uh, had seven children with his one of his slaves who they weren't in a relationship, so he had to have raped them. Like, they did some fucked up things. Look at the Native Americans. Do you think Native Americans just wanted to leave their lands that we now sit in right now? No, they were forced out. 
either we will kill you or you leave. Oh, well, you can stay, but we're not going to be able to protect you from the local state governments, whatever they may do to you. Throughout our history, why do you think everybody always says, well, go back to Martin Luther King. He was peaceful. He wasn't anything. The motherfucker shot him, and he was being peaceful. Nobody wants to talk about that. So, you know, it's okay to look back at history and be critical of history. It's okay to question things because that gives us a better overall view of our history and a better well-rounded perspective of history, in my opinion. I mean, isn't that what we want if we're going to learn about history is to gain the full perspective of it? Yeah, and not just bits and pieces together. Right, that fit a certain agenda, you know? The 1619 Project does that. It doesn't change history. It just makes people realize the truth. It's fitting in the missing one of the many missing pieces that have failed to be included in our nation's history. Included and acknowledged. Over cherry-picking, right? Yeah. It Certain events in our history has been cherry-picked. So... That's what this project does. That's why I think it is such a great resource to have and to learn about and to know. We all know about the Mayflower, right? The Pilgrims, the first Thanksgiving. Yeah. But yet, why is it wrong to learn about the 1619? You know? So it makes you think deeper into things about what have we not learned about? What have we been taught wrong about? You know? What have we been lied to about? And continue to lie to about. Continue to be lied about. Like, everybody, and, you know, I had an interesting discussion and lesson on looting. And why does looting have such a negative connotation when, you know, our nation's, one of our founding events that's celebrated and viewed as patriotic is the Boston Tea Party. It's not looting, it was destroying. Looting is, like, stealing, though, right? Looting is the stealing and destruction of property. That's, by definition, what looting is. Mm Mm-hmm. So they are stealing the property from the British and destroying it. That is looting. Native Americans, us white Europeans, wasps, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, have come in, not to be mistaken with lob, but we came in, looted the Native Americans, stole their resources, stole their land, and are benefiting from it and stole it from them. Is that not looting? The 1921 Tulsa race massacre. The white Tulsans came into Greenwood, Kentucky, or Oklahoma, destroyed their town, took their property, took their wealth, took their lives, and killed them. But that has been whitewashed from our history, and that's just one event. So just by looking at this one 1619 project, it forces us to look at many other events in our nation's history that haven't been untold that have been told right exactly that haven't been given the full perspective that haven't been given the full story and so that makes us rethink our nation's history and that is terrifying to some people because that would take away or make us rethink this america's perfect or the american dream in a sense right and how can donald trump run on that if it's been proved to be a hypocrisy you know the whole make America great again? When can, when was America truly great? Please tell me. It was great for white people, yeah. But at the expense of who? And that's really going to piss some people off, and I can't wait. Which, 
takes us into how we want to hear from you. That's the main part. Yeah, we want to hear from you. We want to know your thoughts on this. What are you thinking? Do you think that the 69... 69- Is it just a big old conspiracy? Is it a bunch of malarkey? Or conspiracy? Is it a conspiracy? It's aliens. It's ancient aliens. No. I just I need to hear you say it, though. Malarkey. Malarkey. You bunch of... You bunch of snowflake You commies. can't have your rifles. <laughs> you can't... You can have your pistols. No yeah. rifles. No rifles. Salt rifles. <laughs> Jill. Jill, let's bam their bunch stocks. <laughs> but I ain't gonna bam your bunch stock, but Jill. <laughs> As for later on tonight, honey. I'm about to drone strike your bump stock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well... We hope that that gives you a pretty good overview of the 1619 Project. And just like the whole argument made throughout this entire project, this entire essay, we want you to not just accept what you hear, but do your own research. Think for yourself. If you don't agree with us, look something up to prove us wrong. And, now, don't, and don't just tell me because you feel that way. Yeah, and I feel this way, and I won't debate it, and that's it. No, you're commenting on my shit, so I'm going to debate you, buddy. Because that's just funny to see you get worked up. I want you to, if y'all want to comment in all caps, feel free to. If you have puffy nipples, please comment. We want to know. Zach wants a picture. Yeah, mainly me. If you have puffy, puffy nipples, please send them to Zach. He wants to know. Yes. He needs to see them. It's it's just been laid on my heart. (laughs) I just had to say it today before we go to lunch. And... And I know we've been here for 30 minutes extra. And I know that y'all are hungry, but it's just been laid on my heart. I need to testify that I I'm do, just fascinated. I do this every Sunday. I know I do it every Sunday, but I just want to say I love the Lord. And I I, I just need an unspoken prayer. Well, what do you need to pray about? It's unspoken. Okay, okay. <laughs> I also just want to know that I'm fascinated with puffy nipples. I just need it. It's just been laid on my heart. But I had to pass it to Puff. Anyway, God, I'm just, oh. You learn to just give up after a while. You just go, what the fuck? What the actual fuck? What the actual fuck? What the actual green or blue fuck? (laughs) You Rudy, I've been watching, you know what I've been watching so much of lately? The Rock. And his, like, monologues with people. Yeah. What in the Rudy Pooh jabroni are you doing? Like, it's just so fucking funny watching his shit. And he just goes in on people. About as good as his acting, huh? Oh, yeah. Some of those movies. It doesn't matter what you think, okay? And I I just blew somebody's eardrum out that was listening, probably. (laughs) Hopefully you were 80, so it's already, once it's gone, it's gone. I hope you didn't just shit yourself. I hope you do, actually. If you shit yourself, make sure to write us and let us know. But anyway, I've been just obsessed with the Rock videos lately. Of, like, his different things. The one with The Rock. And Hulk Hogan and Kane, the Canaanites. I'm like, shut up. Have you watched that yeah. one? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. But oh, we need to talk more about wrestling. Wrestling. Right, wrestling. But anyway, anything else you going to share, Zach? Not, not, a, not in particularly. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this. Make sure to like, subscribe, review, comment. And you know what? Send us puffy, puffy nipple pictures. And you know what? I'm just going to have to just, it's been laid on my heart here. What you need to tell us. You got about a how, minute. How can you not deny history when it's right in front of your face? Exactly. 
That that's what I'm gonna leave it on. You're, it's left right in front of your fucking face, and you don't want to see it. You know why? Because we're too busy levitating your perspectives each episode at the time. And they can't handle that. They can't handle their levitating perspectives. But you know what? We're just gonna do it even more, right? Just to piss you snowflakes off. Just to piss you snowflakes off. Who's the real snowflakes? There you go. Y'all have a great week.